or as the leadership goes, so goes the organization. But more importantly, as the soul of the leader or the leadership goes, so goes the leader or the leadership. And the reason why I add the ship to it is it's not just a single leader, it's those who share leadership. Steve Machia is a thought-provoking author. He's also the founder and president of Leadership Transformations. LTI focuses on spiritual formation needs of leaders and the spiritual discernment processes of leadership teams in local churches and parachurch ministries. Dr. Machia has been a contributor to ECFA for so many years, and ECFA's Michael Martin sits down with him to try to get to the bottom of why it's so easy to overlook our own souls. The majority of us find ourselves in soul neglect at one level or another. It's of the, of the personhood of the leader, it's probably the most neglected part of us. Hey, Steve, it's so good to be with you, my friend. Welcome to the ECFA podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Michael. Thank you for the privilege, the honor, the joy to share this time together. Well, it yeah, certainly I know will be a joy. And just think about all the great work that you do uh, through leadership transformations and around healthy leadership, which is, you know, our focus uh, in some of the conversations that we're having on the ECFA podcast here this season. We're going uh, behind the seal, if you will, like behind the scenes of things we're working on, thinking about here at ECFA. But I know this is not a new conversation for you. And in fact, you've even helped us kind of process the importance of healthy leadership in a number of ways before at ECFA, including, you know, several years ago, many of our listeners would be familiar with uh, the book that we published called Lessons from the Nonprofit Boardroom, uh, which was written by Dan Busby and John Pearson published through ECFA. Uh, incredible resource, um, so many good takeaways, but one of the most popular was uh, in these 40 lessons, there was one called Guarding Your CEO's Soul. And uh, Steve, I know you made some helpful contributions to that lesson. So I just wanna take some time um, as we focus on healthy leadership to just uh, revisit that conversation and unpack a few of those principles with you. That'd be great, I look forward to that. Good. Well, I'm going to start with a quote that grabbed me, uh, and I think others would agree. But you say is, as the CEO goes, so goes the ministry. And as the soul goes, so goes the CEO. Uh, Steve, I'd love for you just to tell us how you've seen that to be true in so much of your work. Yeah, I think that's probably the essence of why LTI exists is because of that little truism. And I would expand it a little bit wider to say, as the leader goes, or as the leadership goes, so goes the organization. But more importantly, as the soul of the leader or the leadership goes, so goes the leader or the leadership. And the reason why I add the ship to it is, it's not just a single leader, it's those who share leadership. So I was just on a call with my lead team, for example, earlier today, and there are five of us on the leadership team. So as the soul of that leadership team goes, so goes our organization. And more importantly, how each of us are doing spiritually, you know, so we will be either spiritually alive or, you know, not doing so swell. And so I, I've seen this over and over again, Michael, that the majority of us 
find ourselves in soul neglect at one level or another. It's of the of the personhood of the leader. It's probably the most neglected part of us. When we take good care of our bodies, we take good care of our minds, we take care of our, our finances because we want to be good ECFA members. <laughs> uh, we take yeah. care of our programs. We take care of all sorts of things as leaders. But when it comes to the soul, uh, it's probably more closer to the bottom of the list than the top of the list. And yeah. my vision, my long-term dream in my own personal life is to help leaders prioritize the care and nurture of their soul to place it actually at the top of the list, not rambling down into the midst of the list or God forbid at the bottom of the list. And, you know, the older we get in the faith, the more we assume a lot about the spiritual vitality of our soul. And I don't think, you know, we can continue to assume that our soul is okay. We need to take good care of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Soul neglect. So I think, I think that's a term or a phrase that should have all of us kind of thinking. Uh, I like how you, I like how you phrase that. Steve, is that something as you're, you know, doing work with more ministries, are you seeing more of an awareness uh, around this issue of, of neglect of the soul? And of course, yeah, through some of these conversations, we're exploring how that can even lead to, in worst case scenarios, like a leadership failure of some kind, but even just in general, yeah, is this something that you're seeing more awareness about, more intentionality around? I am, and I'm grateful for that. I think there is a greater awareness, especially as we read news about um, failures of leaders and what led to that failure. Um, I would say the majority of the time, it's soul neglect that led to that particular fall or that failure. But, you know, we can, we can, it's like the frog in the kettle. You know, we can go for years and not realize that the thing is boiling to death, you know, and, and then finally realize, oh my gosh, my soul is kind of dead. It's neutral. It's numb. Uh, or worse, it's in a bad case scenario and it's, and it's really walked away from the very love of our souls that um, God continues to invite us into. So you don't want to be in a place of neglect, particularly of of the soul. And there, there's so many reasons why this happens. You know, it's, it's basic soul neglect. I think that's the primary reason why, but, um, it can be discouragement, disillusionment, sadness, depression. Um, you know, leaders, leaders, just like everybody else, leaders have a, a bucket of tears right next to them each time they get up every day. And, you know, we've got sorrow and sadness and things that we're carrying and, we often don't want to reveal that bucket of tears, but it's there. And we try to encourage people to just be honest, be honest about how are you really doing? How is it with your soul today? That's probably our favorite question. And that goes back historically to uh, John Wesley, who in his ministry to others, he would often start with, so how is it with your soul today? But imagine if we started our conversations like that rather than, hey, how about those Red Sox or, you know, the red, <laughs> lousy, lousy example because I'm, but I'm from Boston. So, you know, we talk about the Celtics or the, the Red yeah. Sox yeah. or the Patriots or whatever it is our favorite. We, we'd rather talk about that, you know, or politics or business adventures or whatever. I'd love to see leaders, particularly Christian leaders that are functioning side by side, either as staff or board, to really talk about the soul 
and let's be honest about it. Be yeah. forthright. Yeah, that's so good. I think of the scripture. I'm probably, I'm sure this is one of your uh, top quoted. I don't know. I don't have the list of the top quoted Steve Machia scriptures, but <laughs> the one, uh, you know, just about what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but to lose his soul? Yeah. Yeah. And how tragic too that can be. You think about that too in a Christian ministry environment where, you know, dedicating careers and lives and vocations to the cause of Christ, but at the same time, like you say, we can get so caught up in some of the doing and some of the work and, uh, you know, some of those pieces that, like you say, it's probably very subtle and over time, but begin to lose just that vitality and our own, like, walk with God. It does happen. It's so easy to happen. I, I like to look at it this way, Michael. You, when we're called by God to be a part of his family, you know, we're, we're like standing tall in that moment. Mm. It's like, yes, I say yes. I'm, I'm enthusiastically uh, desirous of the sal- salvific work of Christ in my life. And, I, and I'm delighting in that. And I'm worshiping, I'm celebrating, and I'm standing, standing tall. But over time, the pressure points of life either pull us one direction or another. And I don't want to say um, left or right because that codgers up um, political leanings or whatever, but that can happen too. Mm-hmm. We become, we lean. And what what brings us back straight? What brings us to the center? What brings us back to a place of wholesomeness or or vitality, as you say? You know, what, what brings us back to that place? It's it's saying yes to the invitations of God every single day of our life. Because I think when I read the scriptures and when I consider the history of the church, God is continually saying Come close, draw near, follow me. Come mm. close, draw near, follow me. If I were to summarize the scriptures, it'd be it would be that. And mm. from Genesis to Revelation, that's what he did. He basically invited the people of God to come close, to draw near, to listen to his voice, and then to obediently respond to the intentionality of our lives that that God has ordained for us. And the more we can do that, the more we're standing up tall. You know, we're we're mm-hmm. doing well. We're 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 holding each each other up up straight. But when we lean and when you know we're get lax or lazy and lose sight of those basic disciplines, this way to put it, I guess, practices that keep us standing with God, uh, we need that. And I think I the older I get, the more I I need it. I mean, the more I'm aware of my need for it, you know, every single day, sure. God, help me, help me not to hurt the people around me or destroy the very work that you've called me to. I mean, I find myself desperate for God, and um, I think a lot of us aren't very desperate for God. Mm. I'll ask leadership teams or I'll ask groups of pastors. So, when's the last time you were totally dependent upon God? Mm. Totally. Fact of the matter is, Michael, you know, we're living in, most of us in North America and 21st century. Do we need God? Do we really need God? I mean, we've got a mind and we've got resources and we've got, you know, the ability to use our time. So we go about using our time and doing the best we can. But are we really leaning on God? Are we really trusting in God? Are we really turning to God dependently. That's the only relationship we're supposed to have dependently. 
Mm. Um, and it's okay to say, I need God. So, yeah, I, this is a big, as you can hear from me, it's, it's a big passion button for me. Um, and what I was going to say, boy, boy, we could, we could end it right there. And then everything <laughs> goes into a moment of quiet reflection, <laughs> but there's more. I know. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, no, I, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 62, the first half of verse one, and it's seven words that'll change your life. My soul finds rest in God alone. So Period. good. Period. Yes. You know, if we were to just memorize that, make that our breath prayer, my soul finds rest in God alone. You know, my soul find, or other versions will say, my soul, comma, find rest in God alone. Mm, like speaking to your soul. Yeah. Exactly. Speaking to your soul. Don't find it elsewhere. Don't think you can find your your greatest joy or your greatest place of rest and 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 presence of God except with him. It's not going to come elsewhere. No, oh, that's right. And I look forward to that gets into some things that are really practical which I appreciate uh in the lessons from the boardroom uh, materials. And so we'll come back to, I think you gave maybe a list of 10 or so things that we can be considering, but I do want to connect the dots too between something else that you said earlier too, Steve, which was more of a trend towards uh, leadership or leadership teams. Um, and also between that other point you made, which was about soul neglect, do you feel like maybe uh, ministry environments you know, are more open today to having kind of these team leadership and, you know, I know there's so many different structures out there, but just that idea of kind of a group, um, surrounding the leader that, uh, I wonder if that also is helpful in the sense of, of watching out for some of those areas of soul neglect to be able to have that, you know, kind of that team around you. Is that something that you're seeing? Yeah. Yes. I do actually. Um, I do feel that team leadership is the best way to go. I just think it's, I wrote a book called Becoming a Healthy Team. We have a, an assessment tool that's, that goes along with that because we're so passionate about the importance of team. But there are a lot of lone rangers out there, Michael. There are a lot of people that just want to be the leader. You know, focus on me, notice me. It's all about me. Did you hear me? Did, let me be the author. Let me be the primary person. Let me... You know, it's, so I do think there's a danger, big danger in that. So I've been trying to develop this ministry. This is not the Steve Machia show. Leadership Transformations is about a team of people that are doing amazing work for the kingdom of God together. And I don't want it to be all about me. It's not all about, it's not all about every word I speak or write or whatever. Um, it's about who we are together collectively. And I find that there's just more to life and ministry when you see yourself as, as a shepherd, as a servant, as a steward, you know, those, those three awesome biblical Jesus-like ways of leading, it's not about, you know, it's not about the shepherd, for example, it's about the sheep. It's about, are the sheep flourishing? That's when the shepherd is doing their job well. So I want the people around me to flourish in their work. I want them to flourish as people. I want them to flourish as participants in the ministry. And if they're in a place where they're not flourishing, I want to know. Tell me what is it that's contributed to that so that together as a team we can be 
um, doing life together. Um, not necessarily as all best friends, but friendly, grace-filled, um, empowering one another, you know, that kind of thing. And this, if there's a trend this way, maybe. But is there a need for it? Yes. Definitively, mm. yes. Uh, but I, it would be in that it all depends sort of category. Okay. It really all depends on who you're talking about and what setting, what environment you're in. But, um, you know, I, I think, and I, ECFA promotes this, right, to, that we're, we're to be teams. We're to share share the load. We're, it's not all about one person. Yeah. When it does, right. it becomes dangerous. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty too. And some of the, yeah, the governance standard and just that level of oversight and accountability. And when you have healthy boards and healthy leaders, boy, it's just beautiful. And I think we'll unpack some of that too, even as it relates to, to, to boards. But yeah, I guess Steve too, before we get into just some of those nuts and bolts too, one other big picture question, you know, that I think of is um, sometimes we say, what are the warning signs to look for, you know, an unhealthy leadership. And we kind of almost make it this, we're outside looking in at others. I want to flip that question a little bit. And we have a lot of leaders who are listening, uh, you know, to this podcast. And so let's turn that inward and say, what are some of the warning signs that we should be looking for in ourselves? Um, because you do make that point that it is kind of that slow, you know, like the frog in the kettle kind of thing. So just help us be thinking through, like, what are some things, let's turn inward. What are some things, warning signs potentially that we should be looking for in ourselves that maybe our soul is in a state of neglect? It's a really good question. Um, and it's, it's difficult to be a diagnostician for everyone's soul. But I do think if you're looking in a mirror and you're saying, how am I doing? You know, how is it with my soul? I think you need to ask the question, what, what, what's bringing you joy these days? You know, or are you at a place of great anxiety and, or fear? There's a lot of fear today. Wow. Um, what are you fearful of? What are you anxious about? What are you most concerned about? What, what is waking you up in the middle of the night that's causing you to be restless? Because the more restless and the more anxious you find yourself, the more fodder there is for exploring the why question. Why is it happening? Or what circumstances or what relational issues or what personal issues are, are being provoked as a result of the situation or environment you may find yourself in? And then what about the people around you? Are the people around you supportive of you? Or are they secretive or are they, you know, uh, not trustworthy? Uh, I've been in, I've been in both sides of things. I've been in environments where that there was a, a lack of trust. And when there's a lack of trust, which is the essence of any quality of relationship, mm -hmm. and you know, this ECFA yeah. is all about trust, <laughs> trust, yes. trusting, trustworthiness when there is lacking of trust. Um, and there's relational fallout in its, in its wake. Um, and there's a lot of that today, a lack of trust. It's amazing how long it takes to build trust and how, how quickly it can go away. So we talk a lot about trust. We talk about basically all of life is about trust. That's mm. one of our phrases as well. 
and well, how is how is how's your trust of God these days? So that's the primary relationship, and then secondarily, how are you? How is the level of trust among your team or among your board? And when trust goes away, um, guaranteed there are problems that are going going to emerge. And um, of my forty four years or whatever of ministry, uh, that's been the most painful part of my career is to yeah. watch people grow in distrust and then disharmony and then walking away from each other. That's yeah. the most painful. And we're to be as as ministers of the gospel, all of what of which we are, whether you're Head of an organization or head of a church, you're you're a minister, you're in a pastoral role. Our primary responsibility is to be reconcilers. So, how do we bring people back into a right relationship with God, and how do we bring individuals back into right relationship with one another? And that's an important part of the work. It may be behind the scenes. It may be with the team and only the team, but I guarantee if it's not going well there, the ripple effects in the outer circle will be net negatively affected. Oh, sure. And isn't it something that <laughs> we all go around and we talk about how busy we are and so many things, and it keeps us from pausing, slowing down, reflecting, like you say, on what some of these potential warning signs might be. And we think we're too busy to do some of those things. But in fact, Wow, that would be some of the best investment of time that we could make. So, um, and it's yeah. hidden. It's hidden and it's quiet and it's behind the scenes, and that's why it's hard to prioritize because we we like to be busy on the things that are visible and tangible. And as leaders, and even within the ECFA network, you know, we want to be successful. We want to be able to give you a good story. We want to give you good numbers. We want to give you good answers to every single question that we get asked on the annual surveys that we have to fill out to maintain our membership. But but there are times when, to be honest with you, it's like we're having a hard time. Right. We're having a difficult right. moment. Right. I don't think you're expecting us to be perfect. No. Um, yeah. But, you know, because what's ingrained within us, particularly as evangelicals, uh, there's one big word that I, I don't find anywhere in the Bible. Um, but it's everywhere in our ministries, and it's the word success. <laughs> I, I've yet to find it in, in the scriptures, and yet we talk about being a success or being successful. And there have been people that have described that word pretty graphically. I can't say it on this podcast, but um, it is a it can be a goddess mm. that attracts us so much that we are so drawn to that we we're just it's all we want we just want to be we want to be the most successful because we're competing I don't, that's the other word i don't see in the bible anywhere any as well i don't see the word competition and i don't see the word success anywhere um but we have it in our blood system that we just were we're we feel like we've been born to compete and born to succeed and we're going to beat the best of them to the first place entry. We, the bigger, better, bolder, new, next, now craze that's in mm -hmm. us as evangelicals. 
that again doesn't go doesn't come anywhere from the scriptures it comes elsewhere and the elsewhere that has been feeding our minds toward being the most successful or the biggest on the block um, is eating away at our soul and that's why we're neglecting our soul because we're so distracted by this goddess called success that we're running after trying to please and trying to feed and try to but it's it's a monster that'll kill you mm. eventually it'll ta- it'll it'll wrap your wrap its arms around your neck and take your life it's that bad but that's, but ev- evangelicals that's what we want you know we're we're people of protest we like we like to do things our way <laughs> yeah bigger no way. yeah i mean i think it's helpful that you paint that picture um because it's kind of depressing, though. It's not, well, it's, not yeah. it's not very encouraging. The good news is it doesn't have to be that way, right? And there's things right. that we can do about that. And I appreciate some of the comments you made earlier, too, about um, but the danger would be if any of us try to do some of this work on our own. And, you know, the blindness that we all have to our own blindness, um, right. you know, just the, yeah, the inability outside of community yeah, to really be able to move forward on some of these things in a positive way. And that's where I think it is so helpful. And ECFA is a big believer in leaders not being alone and leaders being part of, you know, communities. And, and one aspect of that is the board. Um, and, you know, ideally having a healthy board, you know, coming alongside a healthy leader and there's collaboration towards that and, you know, what that looks like. Um, but I would love to, I would love to come to just unpacking, Steve, some of these 10 ways that you did yeah. talk about how le- uh, boards can come alongside leaders and, yeah, really help them maintain uh, a level of health or in the words of the, the 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 chapter title, it was guarding your CEO's soul. So maybe just walk us through a few of those points, because I think those will be really helpful, you know, for those who are listening, because obviously, yeah, they care and they are listening. So, yeah. How do we, Steve, uh, maybe just take one or two of those at a time. How do we uh, help guard our CEO souls within the ministry? It's a great question. I, I was thrilled to be asked to participate in this particular chapter. Uh, uh, the first response I gave was help the CEO uh, take a day off and ideally a Sabbath in a given week. I am, I am big in the two-day off window rather than just one. I worked in a in church settings and other settings where it's just like no, just you take you get one day, one day off. Well, or a I few th- hours, <laughs> or just a few hours, right? No, I think we need to give our CEOs the permission to give themselves permission because it really comes down to the individual saying, you know what, I need a day off, and I need Sabbath. And when I say Sabbath, I mean the true biblical sense of Sabbath, which is basically in one word, it's the word rest. And I used that Psalm 62 verse earlier, my soul finds rest in God alone. Uh, I do feel, Michael, that the missing link for our depth of spirituality goes right back to the Sabbath. Hmm. And we have said for decades now at LTI that the turnkey to the deeper life is Sabbath rest. And how does the board, Steve, help the CEO get there. I mean, ho- hopefully, yeah, those leaders who are listening, they feel like 
they could turn and take this and talk with their boards. But I know sometimes there's hesitancy to do that. That might be a little awkward. But how can boards help CEOs do that? I think we help each other by talking about Sabbath and to be able to say to a board member, I want to really encourage you to take a day off and to have a Sabbath rest. And I'd love for you to help me do that because it's really hard to do in this 24-7 world that we're living in. Can you can you help me understand that that would be an expectation of yours as well mm -hmm. for me so that Good. we can give each other mutual expectation? Because if you don't do that, I guarantee there's a wall out there that you're going to eventually hit. You're going to hit that wall. That wall's out there. And the people that hit it fastest are the ones who never rest. Mm. Bottom line. And so I try to encourage people to exegete the word rest. What does it mean biblically? What does it mean theologically? And what does it mean practically for us? Because we're going to rest in different ways. We're going to choose rest in, a, in particular ways that may or may not be rest for another. But we need to rest our bodies. We need to rest our minds. We need to rest our work ethic. You know, God is not anti-work. God is pro-work. But he is also pro-rest. You know, and from the very beginning, he chose to rest. So I think it's a mutual accountability and sharing of how successful you are, to use that word, in this light. You know, how, are you able to keep a Sabbath? Um, what's in the way? How can we help you? I think the people that have the hardest time with Sabbath are young families, particularly young moms. Young moms have a 24-7 job. They have children at their, at their feet. We have to help our young moms have Sabbath. I mean, that's, that's, that's big, but young families, if they're leaders, if they're new to a leadership role and they're running an organization that's ECFA approved, you know, imagine if we all sort of helped each other get to that place of taking rest and taking a day off. I mean, so, sometimes you gotta, you gotta find time to mow the lawn and pay the bills and, you know, fix something outdoors. That's not Sabbath. That's a day off kind of thing. And oh, I, that's we, good. Yeah. I like to mix those two, mm -hmm. but I, I keep them separate. Good. That's, yeah, that's what else? number one. Yeah, what else do you have? Number two is I think we need to encourage our CEOs to be at home more nights in the week than they're away. Mm. That's the just so seven nights in a week, no more than three. Can we, can we contain, <clears throat> particularly for pastors, but yes, for ministry leaders as well. Because you may be traveling, you know, you may have to be on airplanes or in your car going from place to place. But are you home more nights in a week than you're away? Because that's another sort of be careful, you know, if you're out too many nights or if you're away from home too many nights, the temptations lurk and they're always going to want to trip you up. So don't place yourself in that, in that awkward position. So not that it's a every week kind of thing. Some some weeks are just going to be busier than others. But generally speaking, can you encourage your CEO to be home more nights than doing work or doing ministry? The third thing is I, I encourage CEOs, let's make sure they take their entire vacation every year. This is just really practical. If you get two weeks, make sure you take your two weeks. Do not get to the end of the year and say, whoops, I didn't take one of my weeks. No, I think if we have good accountable relationships, we make sure that those two or three or four weeks 
are taken, you know, because we need a break from our work. And we don't need to be taking our work with us on vacation. That can, that's horrible. We need actually a break from from our work and vacation matters. So here I am talking about time off rather than time in, but I think so often leaders get sucked so dry that they don't take, they don't worry about their nights at home or their Sabbath rest or their vacation time. I yeah. think we need to hit, <laughs> this is where we hit the pause button and everybody starts repenting. <laughs> yeah. I hope so. Hard. You're hitting us hard, but this is good. Keep going. I, yeah, I hope so, because it's good for we your soul. It. It's we good for your it. soul. You know, we're in, we're in a very, we're in a busy world, an active world, and we're incredibly distracted. And our technology, our cell phones in particular, are our worst enemy. You know, they're, they're not, they're not made soul friendly. I, I, you know, like I used to be a chain smoker as a kid. And then this guy by the name of the Surgeon General put his warning on those cigarettes and said, you know, this could be bad for your health. And um, I grew up in the years before the Surgeon General warnings. That's how old I am mm-hmm. and how stupid I am because I actually was a chain smoker. I did a pack a day. But when the Surgeon General came, I kind of like, wow, so this is not good for me. No one has put a Surgeon General warning on these faults. It is all self-monitored. But there are ways to make sure that you're monitoring the use of your technology in such a way that it's not destroying your soul. And that means there has to be some limitations to it. So you need to put that thing to bed an hour before you put yourself to bed. Can you do that? That's hard for people to do because they sleep with their phone. What are you kidding me? It's like, you know, They've got it as an alarm clock. I'm like, no, they still sell battery-operated alarm clocks in the <laughs> drugstore. You can go, you can go to CVS and you can go buy one today that just takes a couple of AA batteries and you're good to go. We don't want to do that because that's not cool or sophisticated or hip. But I tell you, if you're sleeping with your phone, there's something wrong. There really is. It's it's too close. It's too handy. It's too much apart of your life. So at leadership transformations, I say you, you all should start uh, printing off some of those stickers, like the surgeon general warning that we could all just put on our phones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, this thing is bad for your soul. Uh, I, I'd like to, because no one is, I mean, there are some, I mean, Andy Crouch is one of my favorite writers on the use of technology. And he, he just talks about the tech friendly family and the life we've all wanted to live. I forget the name of the most recent book, but something like that. And he talks about the importance of, of watching out for the sake of our soul, the use of our technology. So Mm. anyway, that's, that's big. Um, the fourth thing I encourage is friendship because one of the big downfalls for leaders that, that, that crumble is that they didn't have one or two others that they could like be totally honest with. We need friends. We need friends. We need outside of our family. Um, yes, you want to be best friends with your spouse for sure, but, um, you need a friend or two to be able to say, pick up the phone and say anything that you need to say to, in order to be cared for being loved back into wholeness, back, back to that upright kind of thing that I was describing earlier, because we can tilt, 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 and then our friends will help us to kind of come back home. Sure. Friendship. That's a, 
that's a whole nother topic. I think most leaders today are pretty lonely. Mm. Uh, we don't we don't know how to share life uh, because it's we feel like we've got to carry it all on our shoulders. Um, if it weren't for my friends, I don't know. If, I don't know where my life would have would have gone. I really don't. And I grew up in a family with two sisters. I love my sisters, but I always wanted a brother. Growing up, I always wanted a brother, and God answered the prayer. But it came through Christian brothers, came through a mentor and a discipler, and then some friends along the way. And life has has been, you know, a bed of roses. It's been there's been a school of hard knocks along the way. We need we need friends. We do. Yeah. We no doubt. Yeah, but we need to be careful that there are a lot of leaders out there that simply don't have a friend. I'm amazed how many times I ask that question when I'm one on one with a leader. So, do you have a best friend? Do you have a buddy? Do you have a friend that you can turn to? And years mm. will shed. You know, it's like I actually don't. Haven't had a friend since. Played on the playground years ago, you know. So sad, but friendship is a is a big big topic. Uh, the fifth thing I say is, and this now peeling the onion back, let's get to the some of the core issues. I say there needs to be a prayer. You need a prayer chair or a prayer closet, prayer corner, some place where you go with your Bible and your journal to meet with God. But I find today, Michael, surprisingly, uh, people think they've kind of outgrown that. Mm. You know, I did that when I was in college and growing uh, through InterVarsity. You know, so they helped me do a quiet time. And I'll say, well, where is it today? And they'll say non-existent. Yeah. So, Pray on the go or, yeah. 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 Slip it in or seven minutes with God as if that's enough. You know, it's seven minutes would be great as a starter. Go for it. But the more you're in the Word, the more you're in prayer, the more you're practicing some reflective disciplines, the more I think you want more. And that's that's what we have found with all of our soul care work, soul care retreats, and one-on-one -on -one spiritual direction, and coming alongside as a coach or an encourager. Um, the care and nurture of the soul is something that people need some training on. So we try to simplify it down to scripture, prayer, and reflection. Are you in the Word? Are you praying? And are you doing some form of reflective work? No, that's so good. Well, and I think so we're, what, kind of halfway through yeah. that list. Sorry. And, oh, no, it's good. It's good. And I think actually what we'll do, too, is we'll include a link in the show notes, too, so that folks can go. And that might even be good. We'll hold back some of the intrigue for them and let, let some of those be others that they could unpack, you know, download that lesson. But I did want to pause there, too, because the— that whole point too, Steve, that we're talking about is this is all under the banner of um, guarding your CEO's soul or like the role of the board and working with the leader and doing that in a supportive, collaborative way, but providing a level of accountability and that sort of thing. So even as you just think about those five areas that you just referenced, yeah, like how how can the board and the leader kind of come alongside one another and how, how does, I guess, in other words, the board provide a level of helping guard the CEO's soul through these areas? Is it asking questions? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, I, I, I love that. It, it is asking questions. It is coming alongside one another. It is sharing life together more meaningfully than just getting the job done. Um, right now, for example, my the board chair of 
Leadership Transformations is a guy that's gone through a couple of our major programs. He gets us. He understands mm. us. So he understands the importance of soul care. He started uh, soul care groups in his home. He's had like five of them at one time or another, men's groups or couples groups or his, his wife has hosted groups. They've really gotten into this. They understand who we are as a ministry. And therefore, there's a collaboration. There's a deeper sense of partnership. So regardless of the kind of ministry that you're doing through ECFA, um, you know, Imprimatur that's on them, regardless of your ministry, you may be in missions or education or whatever the, the particular area of expertise is, can you come alongside each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, first and foremost, and say, I care about you as a person. I care about the state of your soul. I care about your prayer life. I do care that you're having a bad time with your kids. I, I want to know, is there a way that we can begin our meeting or begin our time together with some sharing, some quiet I mean, I will say often to, to boards, add one minute of silence into the beginning of your meeting and you'll have a completely different meeting. Just one minute. One minute. Mm. One minute of silence. Because we're all coming in cluttered. We're coming in from our day or our travels or whatever. Start with one minute of silence. And in that silence, just ask the Lord to quiet your heart and to pray around the circle, those who are at the board table. Just pray for each other quietly, silently. But then you're becoming others-oriented within that first minute or two. The ideal for me is I like to encourage boards to tithe the time they're together. Hmm, what does that mean? Yeah. In prayerfulness, silence, sharing. You know, when we begin, every one of our board meetings will start with, uh, how, what's the state of your soul? How is it with your soul today? And we listen to each other. We're not fixing or correcting or comparing or one-upping each other's stories. We're just listening to each other's stories. And we're praying then for each other. And then we get into the business. Now, some may say that's an inordinate amount of time. Actually, it's a, it, is a, it is more than normal. But what I've seen in my experience is you still get through your work in the same two-hour block of time because it there's something spiritual that happens when we are focused first on God and then on each other and then on the work that's call, that mm. we're called to. But if we're jumping in, it's the perfunctory opening prayer, someone's going to read scripture, and then we're going to look at the agenda, we're going to dive right in. What we've done to each other is, I don't want to say abuse each other because that's pretty harsh, mm -hmm. but we've neglected each other because Every one of us comes in with a story. We all have a story. So when we come in from a day or a relationship or a heartache or a joy, you know, we just had a team meeting this morning and it was one of our lead team uh, son's fifth birthday. And so we're celebrating Everson's fifth birthday together today and delighting in that little guy. And that's important. What's it, what does Emerson as a five-year-old get from LTI? His dad. And an occasional time when we're there. Well, that's huge. But, <laughs> but he's a part of our life. Yeah. Emerson, Emerson is a, a part of our life. And when we prioritize that, I guarantee the work gets done. The work gets done. We don't have to panic about a full agenda. 
you'll get through it. And you'll mm. get through it in a much deeper, more satisfying, more gratifying way when we're actually coming alongside each other as brothers and sisters, first and foremost, without the power structure in place. Ah. And yeah. That's so good. So tithing your time. I think that's such a great tip. Um, and I'm, yeah, very interested, Stephen, just learning from you about what practices there are to encourage healthy boards because, yeah, and this is a good compliment to so many of our other conversations recently where we've talked about healthy leadership and how does a board provide a level of support for the leader and maintaining kind of health and integrity. But a huge linchpin of that is like the board itself has to be, yes, healthy. So I appreciate how you share some of those things that the board can do together in meetings. Are there some other things that you think of either in meetings or in between meetings? Um, I know a lot of this rests on kind of everyone's individual walk with the Lord, but how do we cultivate even a healthy board that can provide healthy support for the or support for the healthy leader? Yeah, what well, we a couple things. One, one would be the category of retreats because what our board does is every September we'll take a half day to be on retreat before our meeting, which mm. is really good. And the and the half day is truly a retreat. It's not a work session, so it's focusing on God, reading Scripture together, reflecting on that biblical text, listening to each other's stories, state of soul, just getting reacquainted personally before we get into the meeting. So we do that once a year. And the other thing we do once a year is we'll do a retreat day or an overnight with our leadership team. So we're bringing the leadership team of the organization together with the board to, um, so that we're, we're getting to know each other as persons, not mm -hmm. as functionality, but that that personal approach, laughing together, sharing story together, sharing a meal together, um, and then doing some work together, but focused on a particular topic or something we're, we're reading together or, you know, yeah, it's just, it's become incredibly meaningful and very important for the ongoing nature of the, of the board. The other thing that we've done since this new chair stepped into place is we updated our uh, governance manual. And that mm -hmm. may sound incredibly boring to a lot of people, and it does kind of to me, but what it did was it crystallized what our priorities are. So we have added things like a board rule of life into that mix. We've added a covenant into that mix. We've added um, an agenda sort of markings of what do we do on the agenda each quarter, you know, to make sure that it's there, it's listed, it's for us. We don't have to be reinventing the wheel every time. Uh, we've talked about policies and procedures in there. It just clarifies, it helps us stand tall. It helps us mm. come back home to the real priorities. So if you don't have an up-to-date board governance manual, you may want to work on that. And we, I'd be happy to share that with members as well, if anyone. Oh, good, good. See a sample <laughs> of the kind of thing that we've done. We worked hard, and our board chair, kudos to him. He he really, really worked hard. But what he, the purpose for it was to get to a place where we're all on the same page, prioritizing the same things about the ministry that God has called us to lead together. So those are a few ideas of ways in which to get 
boards and leadership teams kind of on the same page. I love it. No, if we just do even, sometimes I think we make it too complicated, you know, and even just starting with those things you mentioned, and yes, thank you for the work that you all have put into that and your open-handedness to share that with the ECFA community. We'll work with you, Steve, to make sure that um, folks are able to access those resources who are listening. So thank you. That's going to make a huge difference uh, in so many boards. So we thank you for that. And I guess just as we begin to to draw this conversation to a close, I mean, there's so much more we could talk about, but anything else um, that the Lord has put on your heart to share, Steve, or that you think of, or if there's just kind of that one thing, you know, that you would want folks to remember, what would that be? Uh, It's summarized in my latest book, The Discerning Life, and it's spiritual discernment. Um, my my longing, the longing of my heart, is to help as many leaders and teams do their planning through a discernment model yeah. over against always using strategic planning models that come from elsewhere. Um, I'd love to see boards and leadership teams do a more prayerful, uh, cognizant of the walk of God the work of God in our midst and in our hearts and in our lives, if we can put discernment in the center of the way in which we live and the way in which we plan and the way in which we evaluate and assess, um, I think we're in a much better stead. So a lot to be said. That's, That's why I wrote my latest book. It is the passion of my heart, and it's because I see way too many boards of Christian ministries only doing strategic planning like their business-minded friends do. I include some of that in the discernment model, but I think that the best planning comes from a sense that together we are knowing God, we're discerning God first and foremost, and then we're discerning together God's direction for our Mm -hmm. ministry. And it has a lot of the elements that you would see in a strategic planning process, but it's bathed in prayer. It's bathed in uh, living together as what we've just talked about, as men and women who care for the soul and are noticing God and can point him out to each other along the way. Boy, then it really adds vibrancy to our life together. And that's what we've experienced at LTI, and that's what we're encouraging uh, organizations and churches to do as well. Happy to talk more about that or make uh, the Discerning Life book available to anyone out there in the ECFA family because um, we're just convinced that there needs to be a change. Mm. There needs to be a change in the way in which we're doing our work. And I think this is the, the linchpin to that change. Let's become discernmentarians together and watch how God comes close, draws near, and invites us to follow him uh, more closely. That's that's probably at the base of my uh, passion these days and probably for the rest of my career. Mm. Wow. Well said, Steve. Yeah, there's nothing I feel like I could add to that, but just thank you. Thank you for, I mean, this time has been rich. Thank you for the work that you've done to help ECFA over the years and that lesson from guarding 
Yeah, the CEO soul. I don't know if I mentioned that just right at the top, but it has been one of the most uh, really? popular. Yeah, of those lessons, and you know, just sparks a lot of thought and conversation. Uh, so this kind of helps take that to uh, you know a step further. So thank you for that. Historically, thank you for the work that you continue to do. And yeah, I do uh, just echo everything that you just said there too about the importance of spiritual discernment. So good. So Steve, as always, yes, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for your thank you for your work. Thank you for your excellent leadership. Thank you for ECFA that allows us to have some sort of stamp on us that says we're trying our best to live under guidance and direction of an entity that um, cares for us, watches over us, gives us great resources, and holds us accountable. That word accountability is so, so important. Because if you're living without accountability, you're, you're teetering. You're going to, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to fall. Yeah. And ECFA helps us to stand straight and to be wholesome and wholehearted and healthy. And that really, really matters. So thank you for the excellent work you do and for your colleagues, the team, kudos to the ECFA team, go team. Uh, we're, we're rooting you on and we're delighting in being a part of the ECFA family. So thank you. Oh, you bet. Well, we're honored. It is a team effort and yeah, let's all stand tall together. Awesome. God bless you, brother. You too. Hey, I can't thank you enough for listening to ECFA's Behind the Seal podcast. As the soul goes, so goes the leadership. To continue with that ship analogy, it is the rudder. The soul guides and steers a leader who guides and steers an organization. So let's stay on course. Here's a bonus if you listen to the end. Leave a comment or a review with how many episodes have had the topic of the soul. Just for bragging rights, sir. Maybe we'll send something your way. Hey, have a good week. We'll see you next time.